Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 346 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. We're going to start with the review part, as always. We're going to uh, start with this one that took place last Thursday, May 26th. It, it, it took place about maybe three, four, five hours after we wrapped up the show last week. So we we reviewed it. Uh, sorry, we previewed it, and here we are reviewing it. It took place at the Ford Community Center in Dearborn, Michigan, USA. A Dimitri Salita card that wasn't televised or even streamed online, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, heavyweight. Otto Wallin now 24 and 1, a unanimous decision over 10 there against Rydell Booker, who's now 26 and 6 with a draw. Um, Shojahon Ergashev as well, 22 and 0 on the undercard, a unanimous decision over 8. I think he was about 21 and 0 with 19 KOs. He did not get this man out of there, that man being Luis Alberto Veron, who I think might have been on the deck once or twice against non punching Michael McKinson of the UK. So, um, yeah, interesting there. He won every round in the end, Ergashev, 22. 2-0, got the eight rounds there, um, and Veron is now 19-4 um, with two draws. Moving out now to this one, um, it took place at the Avantgarde Ice Hockey Academy in Omsk, Russia. This one over here, um, Maxim Vlasov, I was moaning last week, saying that he needs to get back at you know, at the top end of the uh, of the sport, I guess, because he arguably beat Joe Smith Jr. He could arguably be right now the WBO light heavyweight world champion. Well, anyway, he actually lost a shock upset. He's now 46-5. and five. He lost, um, I think it was on points, to a guy called Dilmarod Satibaldiev, who's now 13-2. Um, and two. And right off the back of that, Vlasov decided to call it a day and retire. Unbelievable. Um yeah, that's about that one. That's about that's about it for that one. Moving out now to Germany at the Daibuch in Hamburg. A win there for um, for Manny Char, Manuel Char. He's now thirty three and four. A KO in round three against Nikola Milicic, who's now twenty one and three. Um, Ali Eren Demirezin, non surprise. Not, not not a surprise at all. A unanimous decision there over eight against Kevin Kingpin Johnson. Still very hard to get him out of there. Ke- uh, Kevin Johnson now 35-19 and 19 with a draw. It is sad to see. Um, Christian Hammer as well. He's now 27-9. and nine, A KO in the very first round against Drazan Janjanin, who's now 22-35. and 35. Um, What a pointless fight that one was. Moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Um, Yeah, this is the final card to mention. And I'm going to come to you, Eddie, because you were there, my man. You were there, which is amazing. Yes, sir. It was on Showtime pay-per-view. You certainly weren't paying for that one. You decided to go to Brooklyn (laughs) instead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. let's, Let's just briefly touch on the undercard. I'm not sure. What 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 fights did you see? Did you get there early or did you just catch the big fights? 
I, I think I got there. You know, there was two fights that were going on, uh, but we were walking around, you know, trying to find, you know, where we were going to go and, you know, mingling, talking to people, a couple of, couple of, uh, you know, fans and stuff over there, as well as a couple of fighters we've seen. So I didn't really get a chance to really lock in on the fights until um, Arizlan Dilar. And I watched that one and uh, Spike O'Sullivan. So that was, the, that was the first one that I seen. And I think that was the the the, the uh, semi windup. So I think that then then the main event was next, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I mean, those are the two fights that I, I mean, I I was watching a little bit of the other ones. Like I, I got to my seat a little earlier, and um, it just it, to me it wasn't a lot going on. At the you know I really wasn't paying enough of attention. You know what I mean? You know how sometimes you got to be kind of into the fighters a bit to to really see you know, to really be interested in the fight, even if it is a decent fight, you know what I mean? And uh, I really wasn't focused on it at the time, so I didn't see it. But the first fight that I really had uh, had interest in, obviously, was the uh, Erislandi Lara and uh, Spike O'Sullivan fight. Okay, we'll get to that very shortly. I want to touch on one fight on the undercard, or two fights, actually. Luis Arias, um, now 20-3 and three with a draw, friend of the show, a unanimous decision there over 10 rounds against Jimmy Williams, who, as I said, was supposed to be boxing Carlos Molina in Mexico the week before. He's now 18-8 and eight with two draws. Jesus Ramos as well, good prospect with a win, now 19-0, and 0, a unanimous decision there over 10 mm-hmm. rounds against Luke Santamaria, who's now 13-3 mm-hmm. and three with a draw. Um, no surprise there that was my pick Santa Maria's very good very tough and getting on to that chief support fight Erislandi Lara with win number 29 he's got three losses and three draws a TKO in round eight against a very tough uh, uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan friend of the show now 31 and 5 um, it was of course for Lara's WBA world middleweight title O'Sullivan down in round four and very much hurt um do you know what? It's interesting because Lara has kind of changed his style over the years, Eddie, and I think you're mm, going yeah. to agree there. Um, he's, he's kind of become more of an inside fighter than on, than on the outside. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he has all the skills in the book. We know that. But I felt the other night that the, the one thing that I wasn't too pleased about was he wasn't jabbing much. He was allowing Spike mm. O'Sullivan to walk straight into range. And I felt that Lara was having to really work for those rounds. And he was taking big shots on the ropes, even if they weren't necessarily to the head clean. He was hitting the arms. He was hitting the body. Um, it was a mm-hmm. bit of a strange performance, I felt, from Lara. Um, Spike mm-hmm. O'Sullivan, a lot of the time, he'd, he'd throw big shots. He'd put everything into every shot, really. And and the punches, uh, the gloves, I should say, weren't coming back to the chin. Um, you know, he, he wasn't really protecting himself too good. And Lara, of course, is a much sharp, uh, sharper puncher. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he won every round. It was it was all Lara. But yeah, certainly I felt like he was he was made to work for it. And the commentator, you wouldn't have heard this, but the commentator, um, Ray Flores, he described the fight as a clinical uh, dissection. And I, I, I don't know, I, I felt he didn't really give Spike any credit. I mean, as I say, Lara won every round, but I felt he took way more punches than he usually takes, mm-hmm. and they were hard punches. And I felt that Lara's body would be feeling it the next day. But anyway, you were there, my man, so tell me what you saw yeah. from, from your seat. It's funny because I had a friend of mine, Billy Burr, sitting next to me. <laughs> the aunt was, you know, mingling, you know, mingling around the, the arena, so he wasn't sitting there. Neither was Johnny. <laughs> so they were they were doing their thing. But uh, me and Burr was talking, and I was watching the fight. And one of the things I I, I was noticing was 
Laura was just in front of him. And I haven't seen Laura fight in a little bit. And this is the first time in a little while I've seen him fight. And I'm, you know, thinking of the Laura that was using the whole ring. You know what I mean? I, I, and I, you know, with obviously higher level fighters. So I'm figuring, well, he's fighting Spike O'Sullivan as if he's, you know, he's coming in to get him out of there. It's not, this is not a guy that's supposed to be on his level. You know what I mean? He's supposed to go in. He's supposed to just dominate. That's how he looked like he was playing it because of him being so close and so in close quarters. But I look at those kind of situations and he's doing what he was doing. And he was giving him, I feel like a little bit too much opportunity. That was his only opportunity to win was to, I don't want to say get lucky, but was to get in close, maybe catch him with a few shots, get him weakened a little bit as the fight goes on, which I didn't expect to happen with Laura because Laura's, you know, not a not a kind of person that blows after rounds, you know what I mean? Pause. But um <laughs> but he um he was he was in range, giving him opportunities, but at the same time, and this is if you look at me in my career, when you give those opportunities, you obviously get some. And I don't think that uh, you know Laura was not was going to have a hard time dealing with his power. So, well, I mean, I don't, I really don't know much about Spike O'Sullivan to be honest. I don't know if he's a puncher or he's a dangerous puncher, but I just, it just didn't seem as if any of this bothered. You know what I mean, Laura? I mean, don't get me wrong, he took punishment, like you said, on the arms. He took punishment in general just by being at close quarters, and that's the kind of stuff that happens when you fight in close. So, I mean, it is what it is, but. Um, but, but to speak more about what I saw and how it played to the, I was watching Spike O'Sullivan and I was in there thinking like, damn, if I was training him, I would have advised him not to leave his head on the line so much. And I think that's what actually turned out to be the biggest issue. Like he would go in, he would fire some big shots, some heavy stuff. And, you know, like I said, Laura was giving him opportunities. So he was able to do that. But the problem with him is that he was sitting on the line too long. He would throw a few shots and then wait, almost wait for the receipt with his head straight in. You know what I mean? His head straight, straight in line. And I'm sitting there like, damn, you know, it would be so much more beneficial if he would just let the shots go and get into a better position defensively, at least have a defensive exit, you know, roll to the, to the, to the, to the I would say roll to the, uh, to the backhand at least. But he just, he just sat there. You know what I mean? He would literally throw a combination or a big shot and would just sit there and wait for something to come back. And I was sitting there telling Bird, I was like, man, he got hit with a couple good left hands and I think he got buzzed early. Maybe it was the second round or the third round. I can't remember, really remember what round it was, but he got caught with a good right, a good left hand early. And I'm saying if he was just get his head off the line, give hold that defensive responsibility he would have a better shot at at least going the distance and making the fight making the fight a little bit more interesting. But he just, for whatever reason, just could not do it. He, he, and, and, and the thing is, it's hard for somebody to change overnight. You know what I'm saying? Even if you have a full camp with a guy and you try to preach to them, oh, man, you just got to do this, you got to do that, it, it's not always going to happen, especially not within one camp. And sometimes it may never happen. And with a guy like Spike O'Sullivan, he's a tough guy. He comes, he comes to fight and everything. And you know, he he's like, uh, you know, being tough and punching and, and coming in and punching and exchanging. That's just a part of his game. But when you get to the elite level, you've got to have something else. You know what I'm saying? And with a guy like Arizlandi Lara, you know, he, I don't know, he may not be a Hall of Famer, but he's a former world champion. He's he's quality. He's a he's from the Cuba reigning exactly. And 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 was well, a former. I'm sorry. 
performer and reigning. You know what I mean? He's he's been in with some of the best. He's been in with Canelo. He's been with with a lot of guys. You're gonna have more. You're gonna need more than just I'm gonna slug slug it out with this guy. You gotta have something else, and you gotta be you gotta have at least some defensive responsibility. And I think that's where he failed in this particular fight. I'm not sure about his other fights because I really haven't no. seen them. But yeah, in no, this particular he fight, fights, he's just that's just yeah. it. He doesn't have the full package. He never has had it. It's just like. He's just he's just a slugger, really. You know, he's just a slugger. Right. And I and I and you know what? I can appreciate him being in there doing what he did, giving his best effort. You know, putting putting it all in the line. I mean, this is an opportunity to win that title. He's in there with the uh, with the with a great uh, a great talent, a reigning champion, an opportunity to win a title. So why not? You know, why not get in there? And I mean, and it's going to be very difficult. Like, I could have been in this corner yelling in his ear, Spike, please. Please get off the line after you throw your combination. Please, I don't care how many punches you throw, but when you're done, get off the line. I would have said, I would even say, do something completely foreign to your your thought process. And as soon as you're done punching, get the hell out of there. And I know that's not likely what he would do, but you got to think, goddamn, it would be, it would have been, it would have just been so much better for him. He would have had more opportunity to at least go the distance. He wouldn't have got caught so many times with the same shot. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's, you know, I look at things like that and it's just, it, 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 I don't want to say it frustrates me. I'm, I'm, you know, for him, it's a great thing that he got to that, you know, he got that far, but he just could have been, he just could have done so much better. And I don't want to say it's so much better. Like he could have won the fight, but he would have just took less damage. You know what I mean? He wouldn't, I don't think he would have got stopped if he would have at least been able to keep himself out of harm's way a little bit better, or at least have some defensive responsibility, like bringing your hands back up, keeping your head off the line, looking to move your head. I just don't think he was thinking defense at all, and I think that that's where he paid the price. Yeah, no, he never has done, and he's not, as I say, he doesn't really have the full uh, package as a boxer. I remember him, you know, being undefeated for a while, then he lost his O on points uh, to Billy Joe Saunders. He managed to come back with a, you know, with a good little run of knockouts, then he uh, lost to Chris Eubank Jr., then he again comes back with another bunch of knockouts. Then he gets stopped in one round by David Lemieux. Uh, he come back with another couple good wins. Then he got stopped in round 11 by Jaime Munguia. Then he come back with one win and jumps in with Eris Landilara. Gets stopped uh, by him in round 8. So yeah, all of his big fights have been losses unfortunately. But yeah, he's still a very tough guy. And just doesn't have it at that level. I, I think there's a lot of good fights that he could have um, with other Irish guys, like him and Jason Quigley. I've called on that fight for a while. I think that's a good one. Anyways, given mm. that, given that, no more time because we've spent quite a lot on it. We're gonna move to the main event. Javante Davis now 27 and 0, a TKO in round six there against Rolando Romero now. Uh, 14 and 1, a defense there of Javante's WBA lightweight world title. Romero down, of course, and out in round six. Um, I don't, I don't really want to spend too much myself talking about the fight, but I felt that um, you know Romero arguably was racking up those early rounds, man. I mean, God, the size alone was was causing a lot of issues for Javante. I liked everything Romero did every time that um, that. Um, Davis would kind of sit back and and invite the pressure in that kind of counter punching mode. He would, whenever he got tagged, he'd come back with his own shots, Romero. And I just felt that he was doing really, really well. And I was quite impressed. I wasn't expecting it to be like that. I thought there's a there's a possible uh, you know potential that he could get stopped maybe in a couple of rounds, literally. And I was quite surprised to see it go six. And I felt like he was doing really well. He was certainly up on my scorecard. Um, 
what else was I going to say? Yeah, the, the fight, not the fight itself, the punch itself that, that you know, was, was a knockout punch. It seemed like, I think Romero landed a decent shot on um, Javante on the ropes and then he just went, you know, he went straight in like, oh, let me land another one. Boom, walked straight into that 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 big shot there from Javante and that was it. He, he kind of fell face through the ropes a little bit and yeah the referee was right to stop it he tried to I, I love what he tried to do there's no there's no you know i give him credit for this there's no quitting him he got up the referee said walk side to side instead of walking side to side as you normally would he was sidestepping to make himself look a little bit more sturdy and of course the referee was far too experienced to fall for that one and rightly so stopped it um anyway what did you make of the fight eddie and am i right in saying that romero was probably winning that fight man yeah, yeah, honestly, I, I kind of agree with it. I think it, you know, could have been in the neighborhood of 4 1, 3 2. I was thinking more leaning toward 3 2. Um, but he, in the way he was doing well, and you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, that's just, that's the way he fights, and that's the way his game plan was. I guess it was his game plan was to come in with that awkward hopping in style and being a little bit overly and you know, at times recklessly aggressive. And I think. That's obviously why he met his end. That's why he got caught with the shot coming in. He was just a little bit too aggressive. He was having some success and kind of fell in love with it. And he thought that was the way the fight was going to go. And he's, you know, obviously uh, so confident and, and believes 100% in himself. So he was just looking like, well, I'm, I'm going to get this guy out of here. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be the guy to stop him and blah, blah, blah. I'm a big star. And then, you know, when you start to think that and you start to you know, just forget about the importance of understanding who's in front of you, too. You know, this is a serious guy in front of him. I've been a champion for a while. You know, really talented guy, powerful guy himself. You got to be careful, and you got to know when the traps are being set for you. And I think he was waiting patiently, allowing him to put himself in harm's way, and that's what happened. And you know, I asked myself this too: like, you know, people looked at how he got caught and you know how he was doing in the beginning of the fight, and say, well, damn, would this fight still be the same way? In the in a, in a in another fight, in the second fight, if they had a second fight, if they had a return fight, would he still be doing that well? And I'm saying he possibly could, because of the wildness and the over, you know, the 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 the, the recklessness and just coming in with those heavy shots. And I'm obviously being a strong kid and being able to punch. Yeah, he's gonna have some success with that. But the problem is, he may end up being meeting the same fate as it did he did in the first fight. If he does that, you know what I'm saying? Getting caught again, because I'm pretty sure that, you know, once uh, Tank warms up and, you know, he sees what he's doing and he settles into the fight, that that's going to happen. And then the fight inevitably, inevitably slows down as it goes on. And then he'll be he'll be kind of sitting there, you know, he'll be kind of like um, um, right for the picking at that point. But then there's the other thing. Now, I just want to say this briefly before we get off this. But what if he's calmer? You know what I mean? What if he's more relaxed, more measured in how he attacks? And what if he takes his time more? I think that's also bad because we know he's not quite, he's not the boxer the tank is. You understand what I'm saying? He's explosive and he's strong, but he doesn't have the skill level that he the tank does. He may have the power, he may be strong, but I think that that also then puts him at another disadvantage because now he's going to be trying to box and trying to figure it out, trying to, you know, match wits with him. And I just don't think he would be capable of doing that and I think he would end up getting beat that way be it by decision I'm pretty sure it would be by stoppage too 
So either way, I think he in this particular fight, I'm not saying that he would never ever beat Tank or he never would have a chance, but I just think that this style, that the way he the way he is as a fighter, it just doesn't match up well for him, with the exception of when he's wild and he's coming in with those big shots. So that's my take. That's how I think it would that you know that it would work for him. I don't know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just what I what I seen when I was there. Yeah, no, I think my scorecard, by the way, I've managed to retrieve it. Um, I actually had it four one to Romero at the point of the stoppage, but I never, um, you know, I had I didn't have much doubt with with. Uh, Javonte eventually catching up with him and he certainly did and that's what it is with Javonte you know he does have that legitimate power that can just end a fight in the click of your fingers you know and that was it it was like I'm watching it I was real real excited about the fight to be honest and I'm watching it and then all of a sudden boom one shot that was it man one hitter quitter but anyway that is it though for the review part of the show the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the top heavyweight contender, the people's champ, Mr. Michael Hunter. Mike, welcome back on the show, my man. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thanks. Glad to be back. <laughs> so, Mike, we last spoke back in December. It was just, um, just I think, maybe the day before the Jerry Forrest fight. A man who, of course, you'd shut out, beaten uh, easily about seven years prior. Um, I expect you, I expected you to do the same, maybe even stop the guy. However, it wasn't quite as straightforward as that. How do you assess that fight looking back now? Obviously, a draw. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, it was a lot of... Uh, you know, moving parts, um, you know, even to try to get the fight. And uh, I wasn't really supposed to be fighting, uh, you know, Jerry. But, uh, and then I also kind of got a little food poison in the day of the fight. But, you know, um, you know, I made, I made what I did, I did what I did, uh, could do for the fight. And, um, you know, I couldn't uh, complain about the results. And Jerry Forrest, of course, went on to fight Pulev off the back of that. He looked pretty awful, to be honest, against Pulev. You're fighting Huey Fury off the back of that um, in this WBA world title uh, final eliminator. How excited are you for this opportunity? It's a good opportunity, Mike. Oh, man, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. You know, um, not a lot of guys get these type of opportunities all the time. So we're going to make the best out of it. And, uh, you know, I get to come out over to England and um, you know see see some, some familiar faces and uh, you know perform on a fury. And as you say, you'll be traveling back to England. You haven't boxed here since taking Martin Bacoli's O in in late 2018. Um, even though, of course, you signed with Matram, you never actually fought in the UK and all those fights you had with them. You happy to be coming back to the UK? Oh, absolutely. You know. Um, I've been having a lot of fans that's just been, you know, begging and pleading for me to come back. So I'm super excited to come back over there and showcase uh, my skills and show my face up there and, and get all that UK love. And the fight, of course, takes place July 2nd. It clashes with Joe Joyce's fight that night, which will be taking place in London. That's, of course, where I'll be. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> What's it been like, uh, Mike, to, to deal with Ben Shalom, obviously the man behind Boxer, now working with Sky, replacing Eddie Hearn, if you like, on Sky. Um, how's he been to, to, to negotiate with and the rest of it? Oh, man, um, you know, it was a little rough spot in, in the beginning just because of 
a lot of different, um, you know, like moving parts. It's always hard um, doing the business, but, um, you know, I think we had found a sweet spot during the negotiations and, uh, you know, he's, he's a good dude, man. I can't wait to keep continuing to work with him. And, uh, hopefully, you know, this, uh, you know, sets a different, uh, tone after this and, um, we'll, you know, we'll continue to work, uh, and, you know, I'll be hopefully fighting on sky more often, you know, uh, I've been on all the other major platforms. Um, this will be another, you know, a new major platform and, uh, and I'm just trying to get dibs on it. Yeah, yeah, you actually have now, I think about it, obviously, PBC, even when you boxed over here before you was on Terrestrial TV, The Zone, um, yeah, Sky now, wow. Um, you're fighting in Huey Fury's backyard of Manchester, have you got any concerns in the back of your mind about scorecards, judges, if it does go the distance? Uh, you know, that's um, something that's always going to be back in my mind, especially when you, you know, you're coming on that B-side uh, you know, situation, and I'm going into his hometown. Um, you know, most of the time, uh, even the Martin Bacoli fight, I, you know, I knew I was going to have to win by a knockout. And, you know, the scores said it. I would have lost if I didn't um, stop him. So uh, that's definitely something that's always, uh, you know, always a thing. But, you know, I'm here to do my best and, um, you know, uh, let the chips fall where they may, you know. Uh, just, you know, that's basically what we do, we can do is uh, our best, and you know I'm a fighter at heart, so um, I think this will be uh, uh, as long as I display my skills and I, I put the pressure on. Um, you know, I, sh- I should I-, I should come out here uh, very well. And Daniel Dubois is fighting Trevor Bryan. That's going to be taking place June 11th for Bryan's WBA regular world title. I'm sure you'll have one eye on that fight. How do you see that one going? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of doubting Trevor Bryan, but I think um, he'll he'll show up a little bit more than he's uh, than he's had in the past. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's what he's still undefeated. Um, you know, we had we know he hasn't been you know super active, but um, you know he 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 has a lot of experience. I, I was was boxed with him in the amateurs and stuff like that. I know him from. Uh, you know the amateur, uh, you know circuits, and um, I think that he he should, if he's in shape, he should give a good uh, some good efforts, and uh, we'll see something very interesting there. And, I'll definitely be watching. Yeah, no, no doubt. And again, I should probably know this being a member of the media, but it is so confusing sometimes to keep track of. But the winner of the fight between you and Huey, um, are you guys in line to fight the winner of Usyk Joshua too, or do you think there's going to be Brian and the winner of Brian and Dubois getting in the way. Like, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, we we have uh, this is eliminator, so uh, I'll be fighting the winner of Trevor Brian and Daniel, ah, okay. and then um, you know then whoever uh, you know wins on that, then we'll be waiting for the Usyk and Anthony Joshua. Okay, okay, all right, Mike. Well, we've flown through these questions real fast. Just finally, if you've got any closing words, obviously you mentioned there. There's guys in the UK that can't wait to see you and have you back over here, and um, it's coming. It's coming soon, man. Not long to go now. So, what's your closing message to those guys in particular? UK, I love you guys, and I'm excited to come home and uh, come. We'll come over that way, my second home, and and uh, fight for you guys and perform. So, look out for me. There we the go. The bounty hunter, baby.
July 2nd, The Bounty Hunter. Listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thanks for your time, and I'll see you real soon. I thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this first piece of news. There's going to be a fight taking place. Um, it's a really good fight, by the way. July the 2nd. It's going to be on the um, the Joe Joyce undercard. Uh, we're going to see Jason Cunningham taking on former world champion, the South African Zalani Tete. I think that's an excellent fight. And as I say, Joe Joyce returns to the ring that night as well. That is July 2nd. And also on that undercard, by the way, Callum Johnson finally gets in with a man he was supposed to fight, I think, once or twice before. Both times the fight got cancelled. It's Igor McCorkin. That's a tough fight, I think, there. And Sam Noakes as well gets in. With Mark Vidal, that's somewhat of a little bit of a step up. And also Nathan Heaney. So that's going to be a big night of action there going down on the on, on the 2nd of July at the Over Arena in London. That's, of course, the former Wembley Arena. July 16th, Hamza Shiraz will be boxing at the Copper Box Arena. July 16th, as I say, Hamza Shiraz in a bit of a step up here when he gets in with... Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Um... A guy called Torres, totally forgot his, his first name. Francisco Emmanuel Torres, I, I believe it is. Good fighter, decent fighter. Uh, Lennox Clark on the bill as well. Um, he gets in with Mark Heffron. That's going to be a really good fight there. Uh, Nick Ball as well, after he beat Isaac Lowe, I think it was last time out. He's back in the ring. Uh, he gets in with the undefeated Nathaniel Collins, who's 11-0. And Dennis McCann as well. Um, stepping up actually gets in with um, with James Beach Jr. who's 14 and 2 I really like that fight that's a step up there um, you know for, for Dennis McCann it's a bit of a domestic dust up which is always nice and Ryan Garner as well the undefeated uh, man from Southampton gets in with Christian Lopez of Mexico um yeah, and Pierce O'Leary as well, one to look out for. 9-0 and with 5 KOs also on that card. And I think that is about it, really, for that one. Um, is there any other news? Is there any other news? Yes, this one has well been announced for August the 6th. Return to the ring for Michael Conlon after getting knocked out brutally by Lee Wood. He gets in with... With, um, it's an interesting one, but he gets in with Miguel Mariaga. That one's going to be taking place, by the way. It's a homecoming fight in Belfast for Michael Conlon. However, Mike, uh, Miguel Mariaga's probably probably the biggest puncher that Conlon would have ever fought as a pro by far. So a uh, bit of an interesting one after coming back off of, a, off of a knockout loss in that fashion. So hats off to him. All the best to him there. But anyway, that is it for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part, there's a few massive cards taking place uh, in the next week or so. And we're going to start with this one here. It takes place um, It takes place on Saturday at the Motor Point Arena. It's going to be live on zone in Cardiff, Wales. We're going to see the IBF Super Featherweight World Champion Kenichi Ogawa 26-1 with a draw, defend his world title against Joe Caldina, 14-0. It's going to be a really good fight there. Um, Joe Caldina, the slight favourite, but it's going to be really good. Agawa, with a lot of experience, you know, been um, around the globe fighting 
as a pro. And Joe Cordina, this is such a big uh, a big step up for him. Um, hopefully he can do it and become, I think it's maybe the 14th world champion Wales have produced in history, which is amazing. Um, elsewhere on the card, Farouk Korbanov, who's 19-3, and three, defends his EBU European Super Featherweight title against Zelfa Barrett, who's now 27-1 um, at the minute with... with um, with, with, I don't know where I was going with that one, but it's over 12 rounds. It's a really good step up there for Zelfa Barrett. Really happy for him because I think since he's kind of, uh, I want to say got with Matchroom, I like what they're doing matchmaking-wise. He's been in the right fights and he needed to be in those fights probably a few years ago. So he's he's, he's doing well at the minute. I like what they're doing. Um, elsewhere on the card, Dalton Smith, 10-0 in a 10-rounder against Mauro Peruin, who's now... Uh, 14 and 5 with a draw, no doubt going to be 14 and 6 with a draw uh, by next week. That one's for the WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title. Also, Sky Nicholson, 3 and 0 in in an eight two minute round contest against Gabriela Bouvier, who's 15 and 10 with a draw. The former world champion there, so that's a bit of a step up there for Sky Nicholson. Elsewhere on the card. Um, Gamal Yafai, 18-2, gets in with Sean Kearns, who is 8-3. That's about it for that one. Moving out now to the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This one's going to be live on Showtime again on Saturday night. It's a fantastic main event between two friends of the show. Stephen Fulton, 20-0, gets in with Danny Daniel Roman, 29-3 and three with a draw. It's for the WBC and WBO World Super Bantamweight titles. Excellent to see Stephen Fulton as well. This attitude he has, you know, he decided to win a world title, then go and unify in his first fight. Now he's getting in with a former unified champion in his second fight as a champion. Um, and he just really wants to become undisputed. I mean, I love his attitude. He doesn't want any easy fights, so... No one can hate on that, and it's going to be a great fight. He did um, deliver in a fantastic fight last time out against Brandon Figueroa, where there was about 10,000 punches thrown, and um, I'm expecting somewhat of a similar fight, really, with Danny Roman, who throws a lot of punches, is very aggressive, comes forward, but he's a little bit more methodical than Brandon Figueroa, so it's going to be interesting to see how this fight plays out. On the undercard, David Morell, 6-0 in a 12-rounder against Calvin Henderson, who's 15-1-1 for Morell's WBA World Super Middleweight title. Carl Dargan as well, 20-1 in a 10-rounder against Alfredo Santiago, 13-2. Good stuff for him. Um, elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, Malik Warren, 6-0 in a 6-rounder against Pedro Hernandez, who's 7 and 11 with a draw. Moving out now, this one takes place on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. It's taking place in the Marvel Stadium in Docklands, Melbourne. It's going to be on ESPN in the US, and I am not sure where it's going to be in the UK. I'm assuming maybe Sky Sports, perhaps. But, anyways. George Cambosos, 20-0 in a 12-rounder, defending his WBA and IBF. And I'm not sure, because I've heard it's for the undisputed titles, but it says the WBC is not on the line. I'm not sure what's going on there. But anyway, whoever wins this fight surely is the 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 undisputed champion at the weight, official or not, really. Devin Haney, 27-0. Both men have been on this podcast before. Um... Oh, man, it's going to be such a good fight. Really, really excited for it, actually. I'm really happy that Haney's travelled to Australia. He couldn't bring his dad, Bill Haney, who couldn't travel due to some kind of conviction he had about 25 years ago, which was unfortunate. But um, he's out there on his own. Um, I think he... You know, I'm not getting too carried away with Camboso's win over, over Tiafimo Lopez. Lopez... 
didn't look his old self really and that's not to take anything away from Cambosos he still performed and performed excellently but I think Devin Haney too technically sound and even if they were going to try and um, rob him on the cards I think it's going to be clearly Haney's fight so I can see Haney winning that one on points that's my pick for that one um, elsewhere on the card Jason Maloney 23-2 and two, gets in with Aston Palikte who's 28-4 and four with a draw that's over 10 for the WBC silver bantamweight title and the, and the vacant WBO international bantamweight title elsewhere on the card friend of the show and the twin brother twin brother of the guy I just spoke about Andrew Maloney 23-2 and two, identical to his brother Jason in terms of the looks and also their boxing records, both 23 and 2. He's an eight rounder though against Alexander Espinosa, who's 21 and 3 with two draws. Junior Farr as well on the card, 19 and 1 in a 10 rounder against Lucas Big Daddy Brown. Yes, all the Australian names are getting on this card. Big Daddy Brown, 30 and 3, friend of the show. I'd love to see him pull off the win here. It would be excellent, wouldn't it, over Junior Farr? But I don't think I give him too much of a shot. Of a shot, it's for the WBA Oceana heavyweight title. That one, that's about it, though, for the names on the card. And the final one to mention takes place next Tuesday, June seventh. I'm not sure what time of the day it's going to be on, and it's probably going to be at a time where you guys in the US are sleeping. But really, you should somehow find a way to to get this fight taped or something and you have to watch it back because for me the first fight between these two men was probably one of the best fights I've seen technically for about five years at the time and those two men of course Naoya Inoue 22-0 gets in with Nonito Donaire the legend himself 42-6 friend of the show of course Nonito of course bringing a belt to the table as well it's a, it's a, it's a unification the last time around he didn't have a belt if I'm not mistaken this time he brings a belt to the table and I forgot on which one because he's had so many but anyway it's for the WBC WBA and IBF world bantamweight titles um do you know what it's crazy because I I hope I hope Nonito can win man he's got he's got a place in my heart for sure uh, I've got a real soft spot for Nonito always have done um such a legend such a cool character and I would love to see him do it I mean Wow, could you imagine if he did it and then retired off the back of that? It'd be insane. He's having his 49th pro fight here. It's it's unbelievable that the guy's still able to make this weight, which um, I don't think he'd made for seven, seven, eight, nine years. Um, and then he went back down to the weight and become a world champion. And he's, I think, he's 39 now. So there you go, Eddie man. If if he can do it, you can. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, but I mean, look. Yeah, I met him a few times, and he's a really, really good dude. Um, great personality, but he's also a really, really talented fighter. I mean, special fighter. You know what I mean? So it's like for somebody to be, especially at those weights, I think he's like the oldest by a good bit <laughs> to be a titleist. So you know, like like we said, if anybody <laughs> anybody could do it, this guy could do it. But he's in there with a gun, and it's gonna be a tough night. Uh, it's going to be a tough night. I mean, the first time they fought, I imagine it was great. You know what I mean? It was a tough night then. Obviously not winning. But um, I, th- I know he's going to come and bring – I know he's going to bring everything he has, absolutely everything he has to win it and to make history. And and, and I think it's a possibility. And there's no there's, – you can't count him out because he's done some nice, amazing things in his career. So um, uh, why would this be any different? Why would it be this – why would this be uh, impossible? So I'm just hoping that he can do it. But, you know, uh, smart money's on uh, NUA. 
It certainly is, but it looks like we're we're all going to be spoiled with excellent action over these next few days. And it's funny how things work out because there's four main events. One takes place in Japan. I've interviewed, uh, you know, Donaire being part of that main event. So one of the two fighters there. Then there's the card in Australia between Cambosos and Haney. I've interviewed both guys. So this is Japan and Australia. And then, of course, the one that goes down in Minneapolis between Stephen Fulton and Danny. Roman, I've interviewed both of those guys. I've interviewed all wow. these main event fighters, but not the main event that's going down in 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 the UK. Uh, Kenichi Ogawa and Joe Cordina. It's funny how it works. That's why this podcast is the most international boxing podcast and the best, if I may say so myself. But anyway, absolutely. <laughs> anyways, that. I think everyone who's listening this far in the podcast must agree. Otherwise, you'd be crazy to listen to me and let me give you a headache every week for absolutely nothing and no pleasure for it. You must agree. Anyway, that is it, though, for the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. Um, then we welcomed our, our special guest, Michael Hunter. And in part two, we did the news and we've just wrapped up the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'm going to do in just a couple seconds from now. Okay, and this wraps up episode 346 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the people's champ, the heavyweight contender, Mr. Michael Hunter. Good luck to him in his fight coming up July the 2nd in Manchester. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week. <laughs>